Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, where ancient and modern wisdom come together to create a better way of living. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen, and each week we speak with successful people from a plethora of disciplines in search of wisdom from their own lives. Your own personal renaissance begins today. Let wisdom be your guide. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen. Today's episode is going to be a little different. Uh, First release is going to be a series of essentially three episodes. There'll be this one solo episode, and there'll be a couple of also uh, interview episodes, which will be my standard format here for the show. This one is just sort of an intro to me personally for anybody who hasn't seen any of my Uh, guest appearances or is just not familiar with me. Uh, This is sort of an introduction of who I am and what I hope to accomplish with this episode. So if you've checked this one out, I encourage you to go ahead and check out at least the two that are up now. I plan to do some pretty regular releases throughout the beginning of the podcast just to sort of build up a library of content. And then after that, I'll probably slow down and do one show per week or so. Um, So again, I'm Shane Sorensen. The goal of this podcast essentially is to interview successful people, and I keep that term pretty broad. It could be someone in sports, it could be someone in business, it could be someone in philosophy, author, a successful father, uh, anyone whose story essentially inspires me. And I look to this person and I see someone that looks to have some wisdom that they've been able to apply into their life. Uh, I think that a lot of times wisdom is what allows us to be successful in different ventures. Of course, there sometimes are uh, just a stroke of luck or there's something else that we're not really seeing there, um, you know, that allows them to access success. But I do believe that in general, success is not something that happens by accident. It's generally something that happens from the application of knowledge which is basically the definition of wisdom as we understand it. It's having a knowledge and being able to apply that to a situation and leverage some sort of desired result from that. Aim of this show is really to dissect that wisdom that people have been able to take and show a listener and show us that we can find a way that we can apply that wisdom to our own lives. The goal is not just to do a biography of the people who are on this show, but to help a listener identify key components of this person's mindset so that they can add those key components to their own philosophy and leverage some sort of wisdom and success from that. The ultimate goal of this show and this podcast in general is going to be the development of critical thinking and an open mind. Socrates and Aristotle would have referred to it as a spirit of wonder, which we'll talk about more later in the show today. It's essentially this curious spirit that exists within the philosopher. And I think this is the true definition and defining characteristic of a philosopher someone with a curious spirit. Any Anytime you see someone in life that's willing to ask questions, that's willing to 
look at the world around them and try to pull out pieces of wisdom, whether applicable or just for the sake of understanding. I think that this is the true defining characteristic of a philosopher. And that spirit is what I hope to cultivate with this show. Uh, when you hear the stories, the goal is that I'll be able to ask questions of my guests in a way that will allow someone to see what sort of philosophy went into creating their life situation. And by doing so, by, by shining a little bit of light on that wisdom and that knowledge, I think that a listener can begin to kind of see how this wisdom applies. The starting point, and I talk a lot about this in my book, um, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day, is this place of wonder. It's this place of curiosity. It's the ability and the mindset to have an open mind, to ask questions, to seek new knowledge. Everything in life, all, all of the progress, the wisdom, it all starts from having an open mind. If your mind is closed, if your mind's made up, if you've decided that your worldview is the penultimate worldview and that nothing else can shake you, nothing else can offer you anything, then you've basically stopped growing at that point. And a lot of people do this at a young age. They've decided the world is a cruel and unforgiving place, or they've decided that they have certain limitations. And once you essentially decide that something is a truth, you become closed off to new truth that could contradict that truth that you've already decided on. So for you to get the most of this show, for you to get the most of philosophy, my book, of, of any new learning experience, it's always going to require you to have that open mind. It's always going to require you to be willing to, to look within, to question your own preconceived notions and ideas and perceptions and be willing to adopt something new or at least be open to entertaining a new idea. Um, so we've already talked about launch day. If you're watching this, listening to this today, um, that means that there are at least two other episodes up. So I do hope that you will check those out. Uh, very excited to do this. I've been thinking about doing a podcast for a while now, and I'm, I'm very excited, a little scared, a little nervous day one to be doing this. But I'm excited and I, I hope that I will be able to produce something that will give benefit to people. And I'm hoping that I myself will be able to learn something from this experience and also from the guests that I will have on this show. So thank you for supporting me. If you haven't already, please check out the Renaissance Wisdom Instagram page. I'm also up on Twitter. Uh, be relaunching my TikTok uh, also be up on YouTube. And of course, I also have the Philosophy Says page on Instagram as well. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy the show. So I wanted to start my first episode here with just a little bit of an introduction, I guess a, a self-interview, if you call it, uh, just so that the listeners understand a little bit about me, where I come from, a little bit about my background. Uh, ultimately, I'm, I'm 33 uh, living currently in Atlanta, Georgia, moved from Indiana where I was born about give or take 12 years ago, uh, 
Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, which has been a huge part of my life. I'm very in, into fitness. I've been into fitness and sports most of my life. I always liked to read at a young age, but really in my, let's say my late teens and into my early 20s, I really got into reading. That turned into a love of philosophy in my mid-20s, and that, that's been about a 10-year endeavor for me now, just always searching for new ideas, new concepts. I find it really enjoyable to sort of question my beliefs. A lot of times if I feel myself very focused on something that I believe to be a truth, I try to make it a habit of sort of researching a opposing worldview. I think it's really fun to expand my mind, to seek answers, to try to hold opposing views. Uh, something that I've found definitely in the search of philosophy is that you can extract a lot of benefit if you're able to bring yourself to a place where you can hold opposing worldviews. And I'm sure this will be an episode at some point, something you'll hear again and again, but Aristotle talks a lot about the middle path, which is essentially the sweet spot in between two extremes. So for example, on, on one end you have brashness, where like let's say this guy's in battle and he just picks up his sword and runs into the horde and instantly gets killed. Basically you're just you're taking stupid risks. And on the other end you have cowardice where someone hides in a, in a bunker somewhere and they won't even come out and fight. Right? So bravery, which is essentially the sweet spot in between those two extremes, bravery is something that you only get by simultaneously holding both ideas in mind right there's a time to retreat a time to be fearful essentially to gather your troops to make a plan to prepare and there's a time to be brash there's a time where you have to say i've prepared enough and you just have to be willing to run into battle you have to be willing to put your shield and sword up and you have to just go out there and fight so that's something to keep in mind uh, as you go through this show, or this is a very important idea that I hold central to me. Um, a little bit more about me. I try to make it a habit to do certain things, working out twice a day, uh, reading daily, always trying to push myself. I, I work a full-time job. So I'm also trying to take my free time to run things like the podcast, manage social media. I like to write. Obviously, I have my book, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day. My first book I released in July of 2022. And I'm just continuing to spread the word about that. Um, that's a definitely a passion project for me that I've enjoyed sharing with the world. And that's part of what's brought me here today on the Renaissance Wisdom podcast. Personally, I will say that one of the biggest motivating factors for me in my book, in this podcast, and all of my endeavors is just to be able to spread that love of philosophy into the world. Philosophy has helped me tremendously. It's helped me with things like depression. It's helped me with overcoming limiting beliefs. It's helped me to create a more robust sense of happiness that's followed me throughout my life. In my book, one of the ideas that I talk about is the benefit of seeking eudaimonia uh, versus seeking out simply happiness. 
happiness is this state of flux that comes and goes, that changes. When one day you wake up, everything's going great. You're happy. The next day you wake up, the alarm doesn't go off on time. You're stuck in traffic. You're unhappy. And these things are natural. It's natural to have emotions, to have this state of sort of flux in your happiness. Eudaimonia, however, is a state that occurs when you are focused on growth. It's when you're immersed in the process of growing and living, and it brings out the best of you as a human being. This is probably the central idea to my philosophy and to my life is that we are at our best when we're growing. Growth comes from challenging situations. It comes from suffering. It comes from trials. It comes from self-reflection, from experience. The more that you can experience, the more you can get out there, the more you can focus your effort on growth, the more you become immune to the ups and downs of day-to-day -day life. If you're focused just on your feelings in the moment, I find that many times discipline is hard. You find yourself in a place where you're frequently just kind of chasing a, a fleeting feeling. You're scrolling on Instagram. You're eating bad food. You're doing things that feel good for a brief moment, oftentimes leave you feeling worse off, but ultimately don't produce any kind of lasting impact on your life. For me personally, one of the greatest fears that I have in life, and I've heard this expressed by many different people, is that you get to the end of your life and you go up to the pearly gates and you essentially see God or your memory or whatever it is, a projection of yourself, and you see a list or you see a person that you could have become, a list of things that you could have done in your life. And you have to sit and look at what was possible and realize how much you fell short of that. I think one thing is certainly guaranteed in life, and that is that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. Me, myself, I could have 50 more years. I could have five more minutes. I could finish this, go out, get in my car, and be gone. The only thing that I'm sure of is that I have this moment. And so I think that we have to look at each moment in a way where we essentially decide, is this moment something that we want to spend on something that's meaningful to us? And what's meaningful to someone has to be defined by that person. It could be that moment, the most meaningful thing that you can do is love and comfort someone that you care about. It could be that that moment is spent on a craft, on a passion, in the gym. E each moment, we have to make sure, or we should make sure, that we're doing the most with that moment. And all those moments stitched together is what's going to create your life. So if each moment is filled with pleasure-seeking, if it's filled with mindless distraction where you're just trying to numb your mind, then that will be sort of the legacy of your life. You'll look back at a life that was spent mostly chasing that pleasure. But if you're willing to forego the temporary pleasure and do something that's a little bit more meaningful, a little bit more mindful, not just relaxing, you'll create a legacy that you could be proud of. And that is really my ultimate goal. So that 
brings us to the book that I wrote, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day. I look at 11 principles, things like questioning your preconceived notions, keeping an open mind, being humble, uh, trying to be brave, remembering providence and changing our worldview so that we can create more of a, a robust idea of life and of the universe that's supportive of us and supportive of our efforts. This book started out as a very different idea. It started out just as a kind of a cheesy 10 hacks to be more like Leonardo da Vinci. And through my study, my research on philosophy in the time period, it drastically changed. Uh, essentially, it is a historical overview of the city of Florence from the mid-1350s up until the end of the 1400s, uh, basically from the beginning of the Renaissance until sort of the high Renaissance. Renaissance spirit and age kind of went on, but essentially Florence fell towards the end of the 1400s uh, with the loss of power from the Medici. Uh, there was a religious priest, Savonarola, who took over and really set things back uh, in Florence, kind of killed the Renaissance spirit, so to speak. The central kind of themes of the book are the importance of individualism. I think that in today's world, individuals are very, very much stifled. Individual thought, questioning, critical thought is very much discouraged. And I think that as a society, we are sort of dangerously close to entering into or maybe have already started our own dark age. And a dark age is when the powers that be, whatever, whether it be a church, whether it be a government, a ideology, begins to create the idea that one worldview is the only worldview, and they try to silence all opposing views. A, a critical part of life, of freedom, of a successful society, is the ability for opposing thought opposing narratives, critical debate to exist. When we reach a point where people are afraid to speak or unable to speak or not allowed to speak, we have already entered into a very, very dark place. And I think that we're headed there. And I'm, I'm hoping that through the focus on individual flourishing, through the focus on critical thoughts, through a focus on questioning of our own beliefs and of the beliefs of others that kind of like Socrates hoped to do, that we can inspire a new renaissance. We can inspire a whole wave of strong individuals that are willing to and able to and comfortable to think for themselves, think freely, and lead progress into a new age. That brings us to the instructive wisdom part of the episode. Hopefully you've learned something about me or a little bit more curious about uh, what I have to say. And moving on, we're going to talk about the wisdom of Socrates. This is today's episode. Socrates was the original philosopher. He made a name for himself, but he has a nickname as the gadfly of Athens. 
because he went about stinging the people of Athens out of their dogmatic slumber. So he would go about and he'd question people on things like bravery, courage, love, ideas that we hold deeply embedded in ourselves and in our personalities. The reason that he did this was because our definitions of things are critical in forming our worldviews. For example, if, if love can mean multiple different things to different people, when we discuss love, three, three different people, four different people can have a totally different concept of what love is. So what he sought out to do is he sought to, through dialogue, find what the truth of things really were, what, what the true definition or meaning of a word was. And in doing so, he created a lot of enemies because he showed people that our own stances are often hypocritical and they often contradict them ourselves. And this, again, made him a lot of enemies, right? But his life and his work shows us what we should seek to do, questioning our own ideas, questioning narratives thinking for ourselves, seeking truth. By doing so, we can lead ourselves into a life where we're able to see things maybe a little bit more clearly than we were before we woke up. The definition of philosophy, this is a standard you know, 2023 definition of the word philosophy. The study of the fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence, especially when considered as an academic discipline. And the important part to note there is the especially when considered as an academic discipline. When most people think of philosophy, and in our modern world, philosophy has been converted into a bunch of academics at a university debating metaphysics, right? The study of existence and of nature, and these things are ultimately never going to be proved through philosophy. Maybe science can unlock a lot of these mysteries, but the debate over things like the meaning of words or the design of the universe is sort of like this fruitless endeavor, right? We can debate. It's fun. It, it opens your mind a bit. It makes you develop that spirit of curiosity. However, it doesn't really add anything to anyone's life. It doesn't really add anything personally to our knowledge that we're able to apply to. And I think that philosophy as a whole has really taken a turn where it's just a bunch of stuffy academics debating things that in the end, no one knows and they don't really make that much of a difference. The origin of philosophy, however, with Socrates, was very, very different. Uh, the actual original meaning in Greek, uh, the word philosophy comes from the Greek word philos, and which meant loving, and sophos, which meant wise. So a philosopher was a lover of wisdom, and philosophy was the love of wisdom. So a philosopher was not a person who sat in a university and debated with a bunch of other academics about things that we would never know. The original philosophers did, of course, do that a little bit, right? They would argue about uh, the theory of forms or what, what truth was, things that are very difficult to define. 
However, they also placed a huge emphasis on looking at things like ethics and morality. And even though some may disagree, they made a lot of progress in finding little bits of wisdom that people could apply to their lives and essentially be better. A lot of the philosophers were involved with things like rhetoric and learning how to speak and how to influence. And this made philosophers very important in early society as they were a lot of times the people who were pushing on thinking in the age. They were pushing on new ideas. They were challenging status quo. Socrates has a quote, wisdom begins in wonder. Just like I talked about in our earlier segment today, I think that the spirit of philosophy is a place of curiosity. It comes from someone that's looking for answers. It comes for, from someone who's looking at a better way of living. So if you have ever been curious, if you frequently think that there perhaps is a better way to be doing things, or you could make improvements, or you're curious about how others have reached success or achieved certain things, you're, you're already a philosopher in that sense. You've already, you've already established that there is something more that you're seeking for. You're not just chasing pleasure. <clears throat> There's something deeper within you that you've tapped into. And that is that spirit of wonder. I encourage all of you, everyone out there, hold that spirit of wonder. That that spirit of wonder is literally the thing that could change and save the world, I think. If we could just gain this at a larger level, if more people could catch on to this, it could change everything. So as I talked about Socrates a little bit, uh, if he had a <clears throat> form of questioning that we now know as the Socratic method. The Socratic method was going out, trying to get someone to take a stance on a certain subject, and then questioning. For example, Socrates would go up to someone and say, what is love? And then the person would respond, love is a connection between two people that causes them to want to raise a family. And then Socrates would say, okay, well, elaborate a little bit more on that. You say it's a connection between two people that want to start a family, but what about the love that exists between a father and a, a son, or a mother and a daughter, or two friends? And then he would force the person to explain their point a little bit more, and this would go back and forth. A lot of times it would end up with the person that was being questioned getting frustrated when Socrates would essentially show them that their idea of love was faulty. Socrates didn't just do this to be an ass, uh, though it seems like at times he does take a lot of enjoyment out of it. He did it because he believed that dialogue between two people discussing a subject could come closer to the truth. And that's ultimately what Socrates sought out in everything that he did. He sought out truth. He sought out wisdom. This was a call that was embedded in the idea and the spirit of an ancient age. The call to know thyself was very important. It was important to Socrates, to Plato. It's important to the philosophers that have followed since then. Know thyself was so important that at the temple of Delphi, there was actually an inscription above that said, know thyself. Fun little fact, if you 
enjoy the matrix the oracle actually talks about this it's a fun fun little inside reference there but it was the main inscription at the top of this temple as soon as you walk into this place where you speak to an oracle who gives you knowledge from god there's this call to action to know thyself socrates said that to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom this spirit of wonder that inspires the search for wisdom philosophy really has to start within it has to start with questioning not just what you see but how you perceive things it has to start with being able to ask yourself personally what your strengths and weaknesses are what your motivations are you have to be able to understand so many things to be able to see things more as they truly are it's very easy to take a stance for example killing is wrong but to question that belief and say well what about times when killing someone may be justified what about times when killing someone may actually be humane when you're doing them a favor what about someone who wants to end their life because they're in an extreme pain and they're terminal what what about times when you would have to kill one person in order to save five people there there are so many different situations that could arise where killing someone may be quote unquote right or wrong and understanding that complexity understanding that black and white statements are so difficult to make and being able to see a variety of different situations makes you more likely to be able to see things as they actually are and not just the way that you perceive them superficially and so this call to know thyself is such an important call think about this every day as you go throughout your life to know thyself what what made me do the things that i do what motivates me what motivates others and as we understand ourselves we can understand the world better as well and that brings us to today's lesson there is a story about Socrates and it's found in the Apology, which is one of the Socratic dialogues where he's in front of a court in Athens and he's been charged with corrupting the youth, probably because of his Socratic method. He probably asked some questions of the wrong people, of the wrong kids. They told their parents, it went to the government and the collective democracy of Athens is very unhappy that Socrates is going around and questioning these ideas that everybody or the majority holds so dearly. And he's been asked to present a case to defend himself. And Socrates, being Socrates, doesn't really defend himself. He kind of says, yes, that, that's what I'm doing. But he gives a story to show people that it's not that he thinks he knows the truth. It's essentially that he is just doing his duty. And the story that he tells is that he had a friend that went to the Oracle of Delphi and he asked the Oracle who the wisest man in Athens was, who was the wisest man. And the Oracle replied definitively that it was Socrates. So in an attempt to disprove this, Socrates decides that he's going to go out and he's going to question the wisest people that he knows in the city. 
because he knows that he just doesn't know that much. He's he's not that wise. He he doesn't really make a lot of concrete stances. He just goes around questioning people and questioning things. So he goes out to three different groups. He goes out to the poets and he asks the poets to explain some of the deeper ideas like truth to say like where they got their knowledge. And he realizes that the poets don't really know much of anything. They just get this divine inspiration that allows them to write. They don't even know really where it comes from. So they, they can't really be wise because they can't explain anything. And the worst thing is the poets think that they know everything. So then he goes out and he talks to the tradesmen and they have all of this knowledge and different skills and trades and how to create things. Yet they think that this expertise makes them experts in other things like wisdom. And he realizes that they don't really know anything. And then he goes to the politicians, the rhetoricians, and he goes to them and he realizes that even though they're very eloquent, even though they make it sound like they know what they're talking about, they really don't. And they think they know everything also. And so reluctantly, Socrates comes to realize that he actually is the wisest man in Athens because he at least knows the limitations of his knowledge. While all these other successful people believe that the success that they've experienced in one area of life makes them experts on wisdom, makes them experts in life. At least Socrates is able to acknowledge how little he really knows. And this is the lesson, if you don't take anything else out of today's podcast that I really want you to remember, is that we don't really know anything. We're all just out here looking for truth. And the more that you can acknowledge that you don't know things and keep that spirit of curiosity, the more you can actually begin to know, the more you can begin to learn, the more that you can attain wisdom. Ultimately in life, you're going to have a philosophy. You're going to have a worldview. The choice of the philosopher, the choice that you have to make today going forward is you can allow your philosophy to be crafted for you. Most of the time, your philosophy will be crafted by your worldview given to you by advertisers, by politicians, by media, by your friends, by the books you read. And you can just adopt beliefs from other people. And you can integrate that seamlessly, subconsciously into a worldview that probably is going to be limiting in some way. Or you can decide to form your own philosophy. You can say, I want to find my own truth. I want to create truth. I want to find truth, however you want to word it. And you set out to question things and question ideas. And eventually through questioning, through seeking new knowledge, you can form a worldview that is something of your own. It's not something that you inherited. It's not something that just happened. It's something that you've chosen. When you can live your life and choose to view it through the lens that you've created, you can choose to have beliefs that are beneficial. For example, someone can inherit the belief that you're no good. If you see the world through the idea that you're no good, you see that you can't accomplish things, you see that you're not able to do something, but if you can unlearn that idea and you can realize that there is potential within you, if you can realize that 
you can do things and that you are good and you have the potential to be whatever you want to be, the world is a totally different place. Every experience is different. Everything changes. So the goal of philosophy for me has been to find a way of life, a way of living, a worldview, a mindset that is more beneficial to me and the people that are around me. And so today's call, more than anything else, is to go out to question what you see, to question what you believe, to remain humble, to keep your spirit of wonder, and to go out and to create a life and a mindset that's more beneficial for yourself and the world around you. Thanks for joining today. Can't wait to talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, and hopefully you learned at least one lesson on today's episode. Our mission here is to uncover practical wisdom to create a better way of living for our audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us by leaving the show a review on your podcast platform of choice and by giving it a share on social media. This really helps us to grow our audience and to continue to add more episodes. If you are interested in learning more, please check out our website at renaissance-wisdom.com or check out the book that started it all, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day, now on Amazon. Thank you again, and may wisdom be your guide.